Poverty, immigration, issues of race, gender, and sexuality. All of these topics are both important and controversial because of the fear that people associate with them. Now, whether this fear is manifest in the risk of unemployment, damage to the economy or society, a destruction of the morals that we hold dear, or any other drastic change, it stands between us and a close connection with God. Since the opinions about these issues don't affect the way that we are called to act, I'll spare you my opinions on them. But I will try my best to convey God's intention for us, to love one another, regardless of in spite of and because of our differences. The only answer to all of the fear and disagreement surrounding the topics that we've brought up today is to show love to everyone around us. Now, I'm sure that I don't have to tell you that doing so is difficult. After all, it's only been a week since we gathered to remember God's greatest act of love in sacrificing his son for us, and we're already back to ignoring his greatest commandment. Even though we know that to love one's neighbor as oneself is Jesus' intention for humankind, we come into church week after week to confess our failure to uphold that standard. Although we are continually forgiven for this failure, it is our responsibility to do everything we can to mitigate it. The best news for us as people who struggle to love is that it comes in many forms. To the Greeks, there are between five and eight kinds of love, depending on which you classify as separate ones in which are blanket terms for many forms of love. While the romantic love of Eros and the familial love of Storge may be the most familiar to us, others may provide a better insight into what is meant by the commandment to love one another. Many times that the word love comes up in the New Testament, it is translated from agape, or selfless, unconditional love. Agape knows no bounds. It is pure acceptance, support, and caring for everyone and everything, regardless of what they are. It is what God shows us in his forgiveness of our sins and all of the good that he does in our lives. Even if someone cheats, steals, lies, murders, fails to show love themselves, whatever, God goes on loving them and loving all of us likewise. This unconditional love is recognized by the apostles throughout their writings and is both expressly and implicitly brought up as the paragon of a Christian life. In Paul's letter to the people of Rome, he tells them to remember that all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Paul outlines no prerequisites of nationality, spirituality, or gender, no restrictions based on one's financial, physical, or emotional well-being. In fact, if you take a minute to consider it, it becomes very clear that everyone is a child of God, regardless of what makes them who they are. If we reason in our minds that what we consider to be the children of God are somehow better than others, we are not living out this boundless love, but drawing lines that are arbitrary in the grand scheme of things. Agape is what we are tasked with demonstrating and spreading every day of our lives. Now, in practice, agape is a truly lofty goal because of our differences and the societal pressure to love only those who meet certain standards. It is almost impossible to attain for everyone for a long-term period. In most cases, some conflict is bound to drive a wedge between you and someone else during the time that you know them, no matter how brief that time is or how little the break is. If we are called to show agape, but doing so is almost untenable in the long run, what are we as Christians to do? The simple answer is our best. A good way to start is to practice philia, or an affectionate love, between equals. 
There's no need for deep affection in this form of love, although it doesn't hurt. No requirement exists to like this person or even agree with their beliefs or practices. All that philia needs is the respect and care that you give to any of the people that you already care about, such as your friends and family. At the beginning of April, I had the privilege to be a part of T.J. Stage's production of Sister Act the Musical. Now, the play generally follows the plot of the 1992 film, wherein a lounge singer's residence in witness protection at a convent leads to her reformation of the choir, revitalizing the desiccated church. Beneath the glitz, glamour, horn lines, irreverent humor, lies a message that strongly aligns with Jesus' teachings of love and acceptance. While always present, this notion comes to the forefront in the final number of the show, Spread the Love Around. The song begins with a heartfelt declaration of the importance of love from the Mother Superior and the lounge singer Dolores. All things being even, here is what I believe in. Nothing matters more than love. Friendship and affection, real connection, it's a gift from above. Every song that we play, every prayer that we pray makes a bond in a way that's profound. We're just here to spread that love all around. Then the horns and keyboards kick in and help wrap up the show in a celebration of God's love with every actor singing the words, everyone join your hands together, find the common ground, everyone sister and brother love one another, spread it around. The characters involved may be fictional and the situation completely contrived, but the message they present is just the type of welcoming focus on love that we need. Moreover, they show an overjoyed sense of welcoming at the opportunity to spread love and invite others to share in it, just as we should be. It is no coincidence that neither agape nor philia depend on one's condition. Time after time, God expresses his intention for all people to act as equals throughout the Apostles' writing. James reminds us in his epistle that there is but one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Paul's letter to the Colossians brings up the other side of things. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you, we are told, for matters like food and drink, festivals or Sabbaths, for they are but a shadow of what is to come. Since we are not meant to vilify others or be the objects of the same bias, it is foolish to let our differences divide us. Since the spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear, why do we let fear take hold of us and push away others in an attempt to prevent unwelcome outcomes? Why are we so prone as humans to try and separate ourselves from the perceived fringes of society? The poor, the lame, the foreigner, the sinner, the other side, as though we are not the same as each other. We all have our reasons to draw lines, so it's pointless to try and root out some way of absolving the world of disagreement. In any case, that is for God to do when he comes again to bring the kingdom of heaven at the end of time. Instead, turning to love offers a way to move beyond the petty divisions that we make. No matter how much your lifestyle, beliefs, or personality conflicts with someone else, you can and should do everything you can do to love them. In fact, going out of your way to love someone you shouldn't, according to society, is exactly what God wants us to do. Is it not, after all, the unlikeliness of the Good Samaritan's actions that make one of the most recognizable parables so profound? If the victim of the robbers was aided by a friend or family member, no one would bat an eye because it falls into our understanding of the order of things. People just help those who they are close to. In contrast to these preconceived notions, Jesus teaches us that unexpected, unwarranted, boundless love is our calling as children of God.
The passage from Romans ends with a reminder that if we are God's children, which we are told we are, we will receive blessings from God together with Christ. These blessings include reconciliation, forgiveness, acceptance, and, of course, love. But they are not just for us to receive. In order to get the full measure of each of these blessings, we must extend them to all of those around us. By spreading the love around, differences can be put aside, disagreements laid to rest as we focus not on what separates us, but what unites us as members of the household of God. In this way, we can grow closer to everyone around us, as well as to God, as we embody the commandment to love one another. This Sunday, I hope that I have reminded all of us of our calling to love and to show an alternative response to the chaos of the world. Now, while you can manage by bickering with your peers and creating unnecessary conflict, it is counterproductive and does little to change the way of the world. Only by showing others the love that Christ sheds on us every moment of our lives can we hope to abide by his teachings and do great things in his name. Go out of your way to love everyone as holy as possible. If you are held back by any interpersonal discrepancies, at least maintain your end by showing care, support, and respect to all. At bare minimum, be civil to one another, as there, any hostility will only widen the gap between you. As people who know love, we are all children of God, no matter who we are. Regardless of our identities, beliefs, and lots in life, we are invited into God's fold without fail. So when you go out into the world this week and every week, remember that in God's kingdom, all are welcomed and loved equally. Make sure that this world is akin to God's kingdom through love.